Okay, uh, welcome to another edition of the Culture Class Podcast, uh, the podcast where we get to interact with people from different backgrounds, get to learn about other cultures. Uh, I haven't had a guest from Australia in a while, probably in like two years or something, but uh, today I have a very um, interesting guest on the podcast. I mean, I enjoy her content online, on, on Instagram, on, on YouTube shorts and all that good stuff. And she is a comedian. She's a poet. She's a, a whole bunch of things that we're about to find out. And uh, dialing in from what part of Australia are you dialing in from? I'm dialing in from Queensland. Queensland, Australia. Welcome to the podcast, Anissa. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you so much for having me. Nice, nice. We're just talking about you. Like I live in Colorado, right? And I think it's supposed to snow. I think it's already starting to think it's snowing this weekend and you're just talking about how hot is it it is in Australia you have to put on the AC so (laughs) you guys get any snow out there at all or no not where I live um further towards like Canberra sometimes maybe but it's usually pretty hot so I'm jealous of your snow I'll swap with you in a second like this is not (laughs) Colorado snow is not just like regular snow but um but it's all good though um Canberra, that's a capital city, right? Yeah, it is. Don't ask me about geography because you're going to make me. <laughs> no, <Stop> no. <laughs> no, funny enough, I was in Australia in, um, what was it, 2019? 2018, I was in Sydney for like three or four days or something. And I, I promised myself I'm going to come back to Melbourne the next time. Um, is there any place? Maybe I'll, I'll make a stop in Queensland, maybe. Yeah, Sydney and Melbourne, those are the places to be. Um, yeah, we have nice beaches, but I think, yeah, you went to a good place. What were you there for? Just holiday or? Uh, I mean, it was kind of a mix of both. I think I went for some some conference or something, but we, I tried to sneak in a few, you know, <laughs> tried my best to sneak in one or two things. So it wasn't like vacation all the way, but, you know. That's sick. That's awesome still. Yeah, definitely. All right. Anissa. Nandala, let's talk about you for a little bit. Um, so you're born in Uganda, right? Kampala. Yeah, that's right. All right. So there has to be a story there. I mean, you moved to Australia when you were like, what, eight, nine years old? Yeah. Um, oh, it's been such a long time. I may have been like seven years old. Moved here with my mother and my brother. She married an Australian. And then we came over to country Australia, lived there for a year, and then moved over to the city. Oh, wait. So your brother married an Australian. Oh, no, my, <laughs> my mom. Your married, mom. Oh, yes. Yes. My brother was like 10. But yes, got my it. Mom got it. OK, too Aussie. early for marriage. Got it. OK, Yeah, too early. <laughs> right, right, right. Can you remember anything about growing up in, in Uganda? Oh, very little. Like, uh, I just re- remember my grandmother's food being so delicious and family being everything, like every weekend, just spending time with family. Um, yeah, so that was like a huge culture shock when I came here and we didn't have any family because, you know, that it's everything in Uganda. Oh, but everyone in Australia seems so friendly. Everyone's calling each other mate and mate. Like when I was there, like, you okay, mate? You okay? And McDonald's is called Mackey's for some reason. I was like, oh, everyone's Mackey's, so nice yeah. out here. well it's interesting mate isn't like friend everybody's mate like someone could piss you off and you're like pull your head in mate like it's not it could make interesting so i guess it depends on the tone right yeah 
Exactly. I don't think we use mate in a loving way. Like you wouldn't be like, oh, I love you, mate. Like, <laughs> Interesting. So if I'm chatting with an Aussie girl I, I like and she uses mate, that's I'm in the friend zone already. Is that what you're trying to Yeah, you're a friend. Oh my Maybe goodness. even not even a friend. You're just <laughs> what other zone is there besides the friend zone? <laughs> you're in background character zone. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. All right. So your grandmother's cooking, very delicious. You came over to Australia, like obviously right from the bat, like you must have observed that, hey, you were kind of like, uh, you know, different fish in a, <laughs> in a different pond. Like, what was that like for you? Like growing up in the Australian countryside, um, you know, when you came over? It was a massive culture shock at first. It's like, oh my God, it's awesome. The roads don't have 6 billion potholes, like the food. It, it was just so much excitement. And then it kind of set in that, whoa, I'm very different, especially in the country. There's no people of color. So like everyone's staring at you constantly. Oh, wow. Not even like a, a shame. Like they're like this, you know? So, <laughs> Wait, when you say the country, where exactly? It's it's a place called Rockhampton um, in like, yeah. North Queensland, so mainly white Australians. So yeah, not very diverse. So just realizing that, oh, I am different in some ways and then figuring that out over time and what that means to me. Is there a specific incident that happened to you as a kid, maybe at school or on the playground or something that kind of like hit you for the first time that, okay, like I did realize I'm different, but oh, maybe I am really different type thing. Yeah, there were a couple. Like there was one where I remember like I sneezed in class and this boy goes, oh, I didn't know black people sneezed. Oh. Like, wow, we're really foreign right now. But it was just like observing and seeing right. how, you know, people with blue eyes and blonde hair were treated. And that subconscious, you, like, you, you know, you put things together yourself. You're like, oh, my God. OK. Right, right. <laughs> Well, I mean, you seem to blend in very well now. Like when I look at your content online, like you're, you're pretty much like Australian to me, like and everything, like what were some people use like sports or, or, you know, entertainment or food to like integrate that type of thing. Like how did you, or was it just, just growing up around people for you? And it was just natural. Like what was your um, strategy in integrating? I guess we were much younger, but you know. Yeah, that's a very, very interesting question because I only feel like I've integrated into Australian society within the last three years. And I've been here for 22 years. In the last how many years? The last three years. Like three, okay. Maybe even two, only since I started doing comedy. Because- Interesting. Well, most, I guess I'll say for the first seven years, it was very, very, very difficult. Like, you know, dealing with a lot of self, self-hate, a lot of resentment, just trying my hardest not to be black for that whole period as a form of survival and trying to fit in, like straighten my hair, bleaching my skin, um, trying to lighten my eyes, doing everything I could not to be African. And then moving to a place where there's a lot of other people of color being like, oh wait, being different is awesome. And then regaining my confidence and spending the next like 10 years learning how to you know, love myself. And then only through stand-up comedy and humor, did I find a way to relate to white Australia? Prior to that, I was not Aussie at all. I, only through making them laugh was I able to understand them and then to understand me. Very recently. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, comedians, like, it's a different breed. It's almost like comedians are kind of like their own, uh, at least in the U.S., at least. It's like It's almost like comedians are like their own race in a bit. Like, they just do things <laughs> like their own way and, and whatnot. Like, you know, I'm still gunning for being brave enough to, to grace an open mic one of these days. Maybe I can get some tips from you. Um, you but should. You're so funny. Uh, I doubt it. Uh, well, I'm, I'm funny, like, when I'm hiding behind the keyboard, right? I try to, you know, by in person, I'm like, how do I do this live? Like, this this seems so, you know, <laughs> daunting. But you, you you weren't always a comedian, right? You, you kind of, like, started out, I will say, in poetry. And kind of, like, when I say started out, I mean, like, in the art world, right? You were, you were a poet for a long time. What made you go into poetry initially? Oh, my God. You did your research. It's like you know me. Um... I mean, you were uh, only you were only like the, you know, 2016 Queensland Poetry Slam champion and stuff. So I don't know. You're oh, out you're there. So you're nice. out there. <laughs> um, I loved poetry because it just assisted me in being on stage and gaining that confidence to perform in front of large groups of people. But then I realized that um, people would shut off when I talk about race or subjects that were important to me, like. Mm. They just didn't care. They would just hear the word racism and they'd instantly just shut off because race is not, a, maybe in America, people are more comfortable talking about race, but not in Australia, not at all. So I found humor was a way that I can get every single person to listen and to engage. And it was awesome because I'd never had that before. Every person, it could be like thousands of people in a space and they're all like, yeah, let's get on board with that. Facts. But what was the like speaking about poetry like specifically did you just pick up a pen and start writing like were you inspired by like a, a movie you watch like what was that spark I was watching YouTube and I was watching Def Jam poetry and I remember not being good in English or feeling like I was dumb but then when I saw these poets I was like wow they've touched my heart and they're not using like big words or you know, I can understand them. I can feel them. I've never been touched in such a way. And I can do that. I want to make people feel like that. And poetry was a way for me to do that. But then it moved to stand up comedy where like, I can do that in a different way. I can make people cry from laughter. Yeah, I mean, speak, speaking about crying and emotion, like particularly, I mean, even with comedy, but even with poetry as well, like most people going to that, it's born out of some type of you know, emotion, like, I, I'm not to say, like, you know, poets are, like, people who, like, feel a lot of pain, I want to express things, but, you know, there's, there's some heavy emotion that stares people in that line, right, like, would you say that's true for you as well? Definitely, that whole thing of, you know, not feeling like you belong mm-hmm. in your own country, that helped me, I guess, start into poetry, but then I feel like stand-up comedy is way more honest, like, if you're not honest, people will not laugh. So it forced me to be even more honest about the way I'm feeling. Are you saying poets are dishonest, Anissa? Yeah, you can be dishonest. Like, no. <laughs> you don't know. People don't know what you're saying. They're like, oh, right. okay. Right. <laughs> wait, so why you say words like, wait, let me pull out my notes here. When, when you're, I mean, I, I listened to a couple of your stuff. Why are you saying stuff like black girl in a sundress eating less? trying to buy a blue collar with a white collar job, try to buy a blue collar tie with a white collar job, like stuff like that. <laughs> that wasn't like, 
close to home? It wasn't a lie, but it wasn't as honest as it could be. Because, you know, with comedy, you have to be so honest that it's relatable and people laugh, you know? Got it. Got it. Well, man, man shout out to Aussie comedians for being honest, because American comedians be lying all the time. It's like this set, they're like, oh, they move. They remember when they moved out the house at seven years old. The next set is like, remember when they moved out the house at nine years old? Like, wait, wait <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, really? <laughs> right, right. So what was that switch for you? Because comedy seems to be a more recent thing, right? Like, how did you, did you just walk into a bar and try out? I know you said, oh, man, comedy makes people uh more chill when you when you perform but how did you discover that um it was during covid because i was working as a full-time poet for about six years and i was making a pretty good living um but during covid it just took all of that away and i was like oh i may as well give comedy a try like i lost everything so for that period of time um so i just tried it and i instantly fell in love I was like, I've been doing comedy for six years and I've never felt something this powerful inside of me. I've never felt this. Yeah, it must be something extremely powerful because like your content is just out there. It's like you really, you can see, you can tell that you enjoy what you do because you just like put out a lot of content. And well, how's the Australian comedy scene? Like, how is that like? Is it comedy clubs, small comedy clubs and performances every weekend? Like give us a, a sense of the life of an Australian comedian? Yeah, well, I can only say my life because every state is different, but at least in Queensland, um, I would perform one to three times every night and they range from performing in bars, um, performing in actual comedy clubs with about 50 people to then performing at the biggest comedy club, which is about 200 people on a Friday, Saturday night. Um, and then you just keep repeating that, you know, your confidence being shattered by performing in front of one person and then being like, oh, my God, I'm the best. I'm killing this huge venue. And then you just keep doing that every day forever. <laughs> every day forever. Yeah. Interesting. Is, is there anyone you look up to like locally or internationally? Yeah, um, locally, I guess. Who do I look up to? Locally, locally there's some. Um, awesome comics who've been doing it all their lives they're a lot older so they're obviously very good at writing and the craft of it but um, I definitely look up to like Kevin Hart, Wanda Sykes, all those American comics and um, yeah that's the goal that's where you want to get to. What What's the goal to move to America at some point or? Yeah to be as good as you know those comics um, a lot of American comics like they've really set the bar in the industry like not many Australian comics are up there. Got it. You know, one thing you touched on, like older comedians who are more experienced at writing and things like that. You know, one thing about my, um, so I'm Nigerian, right? And back home, yeah. like a lot of uh, comedians don't write. It's like they freestyle or they have this, they just memorize. Like, that's the way of doing things. Like me coming here and actually experiencing, wait, comedians actually write. Maybe I can become a comedian. <laughs> Maybe if I you settle can. down and write stuff. Maybe that that would, uh, you know, it's like a performance, right? You write stuff and you deliver it on stage. The concept of comedy writing was totally foreign to me. How do you prepare for your stuff? Like, obviously, you're a poet, so you probably know how to put words together. But how do you, what ritual, uh, how do you come up with your sets? Yeah, it's a 
super extensive. Like I'll spend all day, like six, seven hours a day. Um, firstly, listening, I record all my sets and then I listen back to them. And then I think if they didn't laugh, why didn't they laugh? Like, what can I change? And then I'll rewrite. When you record all your sets, like while you're creating them or while you're performing them? Or oh, while I, like when I go on stage, I'll put kind of two cameras in my phone and I'll record it and then I'll rewatch it. And then for the jokes that didn't get big laughed out, I'll rewrite the joke like maybe 40 times. And then wow. I'll look over each, I'll look over every version and then I'll pick one and then I'll try it. And then if it doesn't work, I'll, I'll maybe try one of the other ones or I just keep rewriting it another 30, 40 times. And if I like it, I just keep doing that until you find a version that works. Damn, that sounds like a job. Job. <laughs> Every sentence has to be a certain way. And one sentence sometimes can take me six months. Right, right. Are, are, there, are there times that it feels too much like a job to you? Like, you know, some comedians, you know, people walk up to them and they're like, tell me a joke. You know, so I'm like, oh, man, I'm just out here trying to walk my dog or something. Like, <laughs> does it, is it, do you, do you live the comedy lifestyle through and through? Like, are you in like a comedy house and just talking shit every day? Or it's more like you switch it on and off when you're going to perform type thing? It's definitely a lifestyle and it definitely, it definitely is a job, even though I'm not being paid at the moment. Like you have to develop those routines and you have to be professional because you don't have a boss saying, do this. But you know, from nine to this period, I write. From this time to this time, I perform. From this time to oh, this wow. time, I listen back. And then from this time to this time, I create content. I schedule it. I respond to comments. Like it's got to be like that. And then one day the money will come and it will work. But you need the routine to be serious man you sound so african right now like exactly no matter what we do it's like no it has to be it has to be a schedule make sure that you, you're here you for know. the money hey that's you know? the only way to do it i respect it. i respect it. but you're so professional with the way you do things and it's 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 amazing to imagine that you've just been doing this for like two three years like i mean just your sets your outfits like your your recording you take your marketing very very seriously like how do you come up with all that? That you have like a team of like six managers and stuff, or this is all you, or? Um, just because comedy industry has changed in the sense that before you could just get super duper get a stand up, and then you could someone will see you, and then they put you on TV, and then your life has changed forever. But now no one watches TV. No one. There's nothing one person can do that'll just make you famous straight away. Um, your industry, your career is in your hands now. Like if I go on TV, what, 200,000 people are going to see me. But if I put my stuff online, that's 6 million people in like a week. I am in control of my career. No one. Facts, facts. And I guess one comedian that embodies that is like Andrew Schultz. I don't know if you know who he is, but like yeah, I listen to his podcast all the him. time. And he's like, is this, he kind of like started, well, not started, but he kind of like popularized this whole DIY he did uh, start it. Did he? Okay. I mean, yeah, he was the guy. And everyone yeah, I mean, like 2010s, I think he started this whole DIY thing. It took him a long time. Like he grinded out for like almost a decade, but he's up there now, you know? Yeah. And we all follow his model. Like he changed the game in the sense of like that's what every comedian's trying to do now. Yep. Definitely. Is, is there a co comedy goal you have? Like some people is like to perform at the Oscars or to, you know, share the same stage with, I don't know, 
Eddie Murphy or something like is there like a goal of yours oh my big goal has always been I love Kevin Hart I really want to meet him okay he's my yeah he's my fun wallpaper I love Tiffany Haddish as well I don't know if you can see her yeah I want to perform with them I'll just pass out I'll faint I love them so much that's my one of my comedy goals and also just I want to sell out a theater again and again and again like it doesn't even have to be Obviously, I'd love Narina, but just a little theater, people who I can make love, and it would just make my heart really happy. I mean, that's definitely going to happen. I can see that happening. Like, you definitely have the chops for it, like, and you're doing all the right things. Like, it's only a matter of time. And thank God we're doing this interview right now. So when you're up there, like, doing your Ellen interview or something, I'll be like, yeah, I interviewed her first type thing. <laughs> no, I love that. Anissa, please return my calls, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. You, you kind of like infuse a lot of like, like most comedians, right? You infuse a lot of like life experiences uh, in your comedy. I know me for one, like I use comedy as a coping mechanism as well. Like I tend to kind of like, yeah, I'm talking about real stuff, but it's kind of like, because I'm afraid to face them, I kind of like put it in a comedic way. Would you say that's true for you as well? Um, yeah, definitely. I try to, every day when I write, I think what's bothering me and then I, write that and eventually once I make it funny it's no longer bother it's no longer bothering me because I can laugh about it and mm. life is just not that serious and that's my goal life is about fun and enjoyment we're here for a short time let's have a good time interesting you say that comedy is therapeutic to you I mean comedy is therapeutic to a lot of the people listening like the audience but it's self-therapeutic to you as well yeah definitely like that's just even when I was doing poetry that's how I viewed life like every time yeah even as a kid like if my mom was upset or my brother was upset or anyone and my loved ones were sad I would be the one who's like like trying to make him happy and that's just who I am I like to make people laugh nice nice and how's your brother doing these days he's very well he's got like a professional corporate job he's got um lovely children it's great is, is that a path you saw for yourself initially as well? Because you went to school for law, right? Like, did you, yeah. were you always going to like, man, I'm just doing this, whatever. Or you maybe initially saw yourself being like a lawyer and stuff. Definitely. I had a very clear path. I was going to graduate. I did debating. I was going to, you know, go to law school, become a lawyer, become a politician, become a member of parliament. And that's, that was the path. Um, wow, that was that's very, very specific. It was, that, I had a plan. That was what I was going to do. Hey, I mean, you never know. Like, it's still possible. I know you probably have more fans now to get you elected than back when you were just a lawyer, right? So it's still possible, right? Yeah, and that was one of the reasons I was, I, I would have gotten into comedy earlier, but I was like, I don't want it to mess up my political career. I don't want people to. Wow, that's serious? I was serious. And now I was like, you know what? I'm I just want to have fun <laughs> right 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 yeah, man you remind me like a friend of mine like he lives in Chicago and we're like we'll just anywhere we are we can just go to a bar or a club or something and we're like man like guys don't take pictures don't take I'm like dude you're like the assistant's assistant <laughs> to the assistant like, I know you want to be president in 30 years but chill chill with this man like you're too man politics in the tiktok era is going to be very interesting because those days it's like okay you could sweep some things under the rug like imagine someone who grew up with 
Facebook and Instagram and everyone could peel back. Like we don't just wait for newspapers to write, oh, you know, you have an illegitimate love child or whatever. We could see your history. Like, I wonder if our politicians would just be like, I wonder if that'll make them seem more real. Like yes. actually like, okay, people with flaws or whatnot, or if we just mess up the game a lot more. Like, what do you think? I think it's gonna make people so much more accountable because you know like you do a press conference and then your assistant will come and be like oh the public's not happy but if online there's a direct channel between you and the public you know you're on an equal playing field you're on the stand someone called you know dick sucker 3000 is also on the stand there with you you know facts facts like we we, i mean that's just the way people like communicate these days. Like that's how we met, right? Like I was just in your comment section, like enjoying your videos, and I was like, "Oh, you know what? I should get her on the podcast," type of thing. So right, here we are. So we'll it's see. It's pretty crazy. Everyone's got an opinion, and we're all equal. Ugh. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Like it makes you even think about the future even more, right? What What if that it, we take that up a notch, and there's like a chip or something that we put in our brains, and everyone's just like. You can be my dream. I can be your dream or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> just... yeah. And, you know, it's weird because in poetry, I was, everybody thought the same. We're all left wing. We're like, yeah, save the planet. Let the refugees come. But now in comedy and when you're online, you're like, whoa, everybody thinks differently. Like there's a whole sector. Of, yeah. Facts. 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 Everybody. Have you been home to Uganda since uh, you moved to Australia? I went once, maybe 10 years ago, and it was also different. Um, but I think, yeah, it was awesome, but so much a change. Got 10 years ago, so you must have been a teenager or something. Yeah, just about to start high school. So it would be awesome to go back and see my family because it's been forever. Oh, wait, you still have family over there? Everyone's over there, yeah. Well, is your mom's? Did your mom move back or? She moved. She moved back as well. So, booyah. Um, got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> How about well, you? Is your family there with you, or are they back home? Uh, bits and pieces. So I have a brother out here. Um, most of my family are back home though, and uh, I kind of have. Like, you know, Africans, like when you say families, like everyone, like cousins yeah. and whatnot. So I have cousins and different people kind of like sprinkled all over in different places. But mom and dad are back home. Um, siblings, my sisters are back home. Uh, my brother's here and I'm here. But my brother is in a different, my brother's in uh, Chicago. I'm in Colorado. So we're in different states. And how do you, how do you feel about that? Like, are you happy that your parents are in a different country? Do you love them more? Because I know as soon as my mom left, I'm like, wow, you're awesome from far away. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I had a different uh, childhood. Like, I grew up in a military family. So my dad was, you know, uh, a Commodore in the Nigerian Air Force or whatnot. So, you know, military wow. people don't really, like, show love, per se. And he was African. So there's that. Uh, no showing love. Aha. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I mean, it, it depends on your days and your days, you know, it's kind of like, okay, you know, type of thing. I, I didn't grow up in a family where, you know, we all sat down, like, ate dinner together every day. So it's like, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I'm just indifferent, you know? No, 
mm, I feel that. Yep, I understand. Yeah, look at you interviewing the interviewer. Okay, you're a pro at this, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Turning the tides back. Okay, practicing for that Ellen interview or that um, Sherry interview. Who's who's the who's the person on TV now? But yeah, who Sherry is the person on TV now? Is it that? Uh, I have no idea. I don't watch TV. Do you watch TV? Is that still a thing? Not a lot. Not a lot. Not a lot. Yeah, probably watch my TV like maybe like three or four times a year. It's probably just on streaming services on my computer. That's more like it. So, yeah. Yeah. And how, how's dating like for a comedian? Let's practice that question. You're going to be hit with this question, right? When you, when you blow up. So let's practice this. Like, who is Anissa dating now? Like, is there a legal... <laughs> when you have your yeah. interview? <laughs> yeah. Um... I'm I'm in a I've been in a long term relationship so I've been with my partner for like three years and dating for a comedian is would be pretty hard because you're out all night you're out all night you know every night every public holiday every every day 365 days so it's quite difficult to get bonds so you do need to be with someone who understands the lifestyle but it, yeah it's really it's quite difficult because you're always away. It must be serious when you're using the word my partner. I'm like, okay, that's serious. It's not, like, it's not my boyfriend. It's not my my boo, my partner. I'm like, okay. Partner, <laughs> yeah. When I, it's weird. I say partner and my mom goes, are you married? Then stop yeah. saying that. You're embarrassing me. It's <laughs> it is a little bit embarrassing when you're like, oh, that's my partner. We've been dating for two days. Right, okay. right, right, right. I feel you. I feel you. Well, that's nice. Do you ever make fun of them in your in your? Do you sneak sneak diss them in your sets? Kind of like, okay, you did something I didn't like. I'm gonna constantly. At the beginning, he was like, he didn't really like it, but now he doesn't care. Cause I I've written so many jokes about him. I don't think he cares anymore. Yeah. Are is he in entertainment as well, or or no? He's corporate. Yeah, he's corporate. Got An it. engineer. Well, I mean, that must at least you're making him laugh, right? So that's nice. Yeah, exactly. And it's nice to have a normal person who's not like, because, you know, you don't want to be funny all the time. You just want to be normal. Really? Yeah. I'm very quiet. I'm a very quiet, silent person, I think. You know what? A lot of great entertainers are, you know, like from Prince to, you know, whoever, you know, tend to be like, very reserved because it's, it's almost like you need a level of introspection to dig deep before you can produce content that people can relate to type of thing so so how does that work for you when you're not like on the grind is that just you just reading or like taking walks or a cup of tea or how's your quiet time how's that look like it's really weird uh, my quiet time is like as soon as I'm, i don't i only have one friend who i don't see that often so I don't really talk to people, don't really talk to anyone um, at work. I don't really talk to anybody. I just sit by myself. Um, I stay at home. I, I don't really talk to, I talk to very few people and I prefer it that way. When I say talk to people <laughs> at work, what do you mean? Like if I'm in the office or something, I don't really, I just sit by myself. Um, oh, wait, so you, you, you work during the day and you do comedy at night? Yeah, I work at a bank interesting interesting has that has your company has the bank you work in kind of like accepted your comedy like do they know you're doing it or you're kind of like under the radar typing i'm the low low all right they're about to see this interview right now shout out um <laughs> 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 
I'm not I'm not funny at all at work. <laughs> no jokes, nothing. Bankers are never funny. I used to work in the bank back in Nigeria for a couple of years as well. Like it's so it's such a stressful job. Like um, especially like commercial banking, investment banking even worse. But commercial banking, you just don't, don't want to see anyone. Like why you yeah. not do your job? Your your colleagues get on your nerves and whatnot. But it's exactly, all they're so serious. They're all you know go above and beyond for the company. No, I'm going here and below. I'm not going above and beyond. Yep, yep. You know what? That makes sense because some of your sets you'd be wearing like blazers and suits and stuff. Oh, like, like, man, she must take her her craft really seriously. But you're probably just coming from work or something, you know. It's really funny because when I dress like that, it's a signal to the audience. I came to be here with you, and then you're gone, and you're like, "That was the best I could do." (laughs) I wore a suit to disappoint you. Right, 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 right. No, I respect it. I respect it because, you know, comedians here, like even comedians in America who are rich, rich, like Adam Sandler still dresses like a homeless person, you know, (laughs) stuff like that. It's kind of like a rite of passage that you have to look shitty, but, you know. Well, man, this was great. This was great talking to you, man. Like, where can people discover your stuff? Like, I don't want to put you on the spot and tell you to, like, give us, like, a mini set or anything, but if people want to discover who you are, like, where can they go to, like, take a look at yourself yeah um check out my instagram that's anisa underscore nandaula <laughs> which is so hard because you're not gonna know how to spell that oh we'll and probably have we'll have your name in this in this episode title so you're good yeah check out my instagram and then i post like dumb dumb stuff on my tiktok which is anisa underscore hbka and then i post stuff on youtube shorts as well what's the hbk Oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. It's I used to love wrestling. Um okay. and there was a wrestler. Called... Yeah. Oh goodness. It's still my email <laughs> to this day. I love him. Nice, nice. Okay. Comedy, wrestling, poetry, banking, politics, law. You're one well-rounded superwoman. <laughs> Indecisive. <laughs> Nah, it's not indecisive at all. It's 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 you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. You're, you're not 30 yet. Right? Well, not to put your age out there, but you're not 30. I'm 20, right? I'm 24. Okay. It's a, I mean, <laughs> like it's you always, know what? You're getting you're you're getting fired for that one. <laughs> <laughs> you're not 40 yet, are you? Wait, no. Okay. No, I say that to say, like, I always, you know, anytime I meet people under 30, it's not like I'm I'm like an elder statesman who who's seen it all but i like man try try everything man just for sure try every say yes to everything when you're young and then see what you like and double down on what works right because sometimes you don't know what you don't know right so i think you're doing all the right things like um you guys should check out instagram you'll probably see me in the comment section somewhere like laughing or giving feedback or whatnot like i'm so happy you could come on the podcast uh giving us a taste of kind of like what it was for you um you know going to australia and giving us a, a look behind the veil on comedy um i always let my guests like if you want to say one last thing on the podcast maybe speak to your future self give like a, a word of advice or something or you know hit us with whatever it is like um give us something something to hold on to to remember you back before you go Ooh, i would just say um dream big you're exactly where you're supposed to be fail hard fail constantly and use that failure to build you into your future success and keep going and the church said 
Amen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you. Wait, you just dropped your Instagram. You want to drop all the platforms as well? Or is it the same handle across? That's all my stuff. Yeah, that's all my stuff. There we go. There we go. Thank you so much for coming on Culture Class and Nessa. And for listeners, uh, as always, this Culture Class podcast everywhere as well. Uh, follow us. Um, save this interview for when Anissa blows up worldwide so you can, you can say that she was here first. And until uh, next time, you guys be well. Bye.